So no hot. The Recovery Revolution will be save it. podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. Um, hey, they still love. They start to. Like, you know what? That's turn, well, I guess that's not Hey, so uh, just one thing I was thinking of when we were, we were they were saying Jeff, Matt, and Chris, and I was pointing. Yeah. Somebody requested that we try to remember periscoping. Okay. Okay. Again, remember? Do you guys remember we tried that I one time? We did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. even really know Periscope was much of a thing anymore, but I guess it is, and okay. maybe we will sometime. But I think we'll have to prepare. We'll have to figure out why yeah. Yeah. we're periscoping, and yeah. get. I don't know. I have, I have a tripod now, so that might. But help. periscoping is a live video feed, right? Yeah, basically. And right. the thing is, for me, it's yeah. a little distracting because I feel like I'm I'm going to be the cameraman also. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd have to be dressed. Yeah. We'd have to be trying, yeah. which is my weird. My shirt chafes me when I'm talking. <laughs> I know you have the same problem. Totally. And, uh, no, it uh, it would change the dynamic a little bit. Yeah, I think. But we have to, to arrange ourselves. Yeah, I was fun. picturing all of us looming over Chris's shoulder, <laughs> right. the keyboard. Well, just, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe we need a camera person. That's right. This is technology. Maybe we it's do cool. This is the intern now. Yeah. Let's do it. Damn it. Yeah. Four years in, so many questions, so many issues. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Anyway, I so like that idea, though. Um, welcome, listeners. Here, the buddy. three of us are all back yeah. again. I think yeah. it was the first time in at least, least a month. A month. Yeah, I hadn't seen Matt in a long um, time. I was, like, I know, I hugged him. He did. Oh, we, that's, yeah, it's as if we had never uh, yeah. seen each other before. I hug people when I first meet them too. <laughs> as if we didn't know each We're other. Huggers. Um. So yeah. Yeah. It's good to be back. Great Got some band back together. Yeah. Um, just a, one thing, I'm trying to do so many things better, and I, I seem to fail at all of them, or, or at least one of them. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, we talked about the tip jar a few episodes back, uh-huh. and like the next day, or certainly that, that week following that episode, um, Ed F., Edward F., um, very give you a very generous tip. I may have mentioned this last episode, but I just want to make sure I didn't mention um, that uh, greatly appreciated and, uh, you know, keeps keeps the lights on. And, uh, <clears throat> no, it, honestly, it just, it helps. It's nice, it's nice, it's a very nice gesture that helps, you know, yeah. take some of the... Yeah, yeah, totally. it's a good affirmation um, in a way, you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we probably got some wonderful emails, and that's where I'm going to fall down this time. But um, suffice to say, we appreciate the emails that keep coming in. Appreciate iTunes uh, reviews. If you find the show on iTunes, and you can do that by uh, sincerightnow.com slash PDCST, I will f- forever regret not putting that page's URL as podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but... Uh, 
you can find the iTunes page on there, and that's where the reviews really matter. Um, and just click on the right side on the iTunes and give us the best review you possibly can. Thank you very much. Uh, with that said, should we call in? Yeah, Michael, Michael? King. Michael, Michael King. King. Yeah, it's like a big Let's guest. Call it's Michael. It's like a legit. Um, it is. You know, very legitimate. Someone who's out of here doing some stuff. Doing some stuff. And uh, okay, let's call Michael. Was there a, a mall rally this year for facing addiction? I don't know. Uh, uh, hey, Michael. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm great. I'm here now with Jeff. Hi, Michael. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. And Matt. Hey, Michael. Hey, Matt. Thanks for coming on. No we were just uh, as you as we were getting you, as we were dialing you in. Uh, Jeff was asking if there was a we called it a mall rally, which I, initially I thought he was talking about something in a shopping mall. But <laughs> if there was a rally this year, and uh, it, it was there was an LA event, right? Uh, not this year. We, oh. we had an event last year. It wasn't a rally. We hosted an event with the Surgeon General for the release of the Surgeon General's report, as we were the nonprofit partner in the release of the report. Mm -hmm. The Unite event was never really intended to become an annual event. We certainly would love to do something like it again in the future, Mm -hmm. uh, but no date or exact time has been determined as of yet. Okay. Okay. And so to clear this up, the reason we're asking Michael this question, for those of you that uh, don't, aren't familiar with Michael, Michael is the Director of Outreach and Engagement for Facing Addiction. Um, And if you're listening to this podcast um and you don't know what facing addiction is you've got homework to do right and uh and my, my guess is just about every one of you know what it is yeah. uh if not it's it's a organization that for how, how old is the organization now so we the october 4th 2015 unite to face addiction show was really the official launch oh, okay. um Obviously, we uh, were, were preparing and working to build that event for months and months ahead of time. So yeah. uh, I would say officially, uh, not quite two years and officially a little over two years. Okay. So, I mean, really just get doing so, – I mean, it feels like it's it's longer than that. I mean, you've, yeah. you've done so much and, and become such a force in, uh, you know, the prevention and recovery and 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 – you know, just so many irons in the fire in, in, in all regards. Um, have you been, you've been with the organization the whole time? Uh, I started in yeah, May of 2015 uh, as a organizer trying to help build the, the launch event, build the rally. And then after the rally, I, I transitioned uh, after a few months into this role of, of being the outreach and engagement director nationally, which is just, uh, I, I, I kind of like to brag that I have the best job in the addiction recovery space because you know, what makes facing addiction a little unique in the addiction space is our mission and our coalition is, is built around the idea of taking this issue on in a comprehensive way. Mm-hmm. So my role as the outreach and engagement director is I get to work to build and then work with our coalition of, of partnering organizations, which we call the Facing Addiction Action Network, which now constitutes over 660 organizations from around the country. And those organizations range from small local recovery community groups to national prevention aid groups to public health agencies, treatment Mm -hmm. providers, criminal justice reform organizations, family support groups. Facing Addiction's whole mission is to unify all of those different pieces of this often very complicated puzzle in order to address this massive public health crisis that we're facing as a country. So I get to work with folks from across the sphere with incredibly uh, diverse ranges of experiences, both personal and professional, from 
people in long-term recovery, to families who have lost loved ones, to professionals who, who have worked in the field trying to help people for years and years. So it, it's such a eclectic and interesting uh, variations of experiences and perspectives that I get to work with and talk to every day. It, it's really a thrill to mm. see all the different uh, ways by which people come to this issue, you know? Mm-hmm. And is your job to try to get everyone on the same page or to get everyone to share an agenda or what, what are you trying to get everyone to do? So there's sort of, uh, for, for my role specifically, there's sort of three key pillars to it. One is to grow, uh, work with and grow that coalition, the action network. So I'm always reaching out to new organizations that haven't uh, joined up yet. And being part of the network uh, on its face only uh, simply implies support of our action agenda, which we assembled with intelligence and intel and feedback from the entire community, right? So by being part of the network, essentially all organizations officially say is we stand in support of this agenda. We stand in support of the approach that facing addiction is taking. Mm-hmm. The second part of my job then is to work with all those organizations that, I, that we're recruiting to kind of plug them into different projects that we're working on. For each of our five primary agenda points, there are a different set of actions that we're taking to try to see those points through to fruition. Um, and it's with the action network that we get those things done. So I manage a series of working groups that are each working on specific projects. And what's neat about this coalition and this sort of ideological diversity in it is we can take on a project that centers on prevention because we have a wide range of prevention partners. And we can try to merge the public health and criminal justice communities as we're working on with one project right now. And we can bring recovery community and families together to help us address the ever ongoing concerns about language and so on and so forth, right? So I get to sort of build these tables of smart people with tons of experience to help us uh, achieve some of our agenda items. And then the third thing that I do is I, I, I work to build and design all of our grassroots engagement opportunities. So the Face Addiction Ambassador Program, which is an opportunity for people to sort of get plugged in in their community and carry the mantle uh, on Facing Addiction's behalf in their community or the pilot community project, which we're very excited about, which is 15 communities we're working with this year, helping them build grassroots campaigns in their communities to really organize and address this issue in a way that's never been done before. Um, two stuff that we've just put out in the last two, three days around, uh, you know, the president had his commission on the opioid crisis that is recommending a national state of emergency, which we're 100% on board with. And uh, obviously, uh, the president and the secretary of health and human services have said they don't think that's necessary right now. Well, we disagree. And, and we're really working hard to rally the grassroots well, behind putting pressure on them. I get to do that work, too. <laughs> wow. that, sounds, that sounds So that fits on a business card, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's and, fantastic. And, and well, specifically that last point, the shift in administrations has to have been like a well, in, in many regards, not the least of which is this, but um, like a hard 180 um, with what Director Botticelli was doing. And um, I'm going to draw a blank on um, Viv- uh, uh, Vivek Murthy. Um, yep. the, the, the degree to which you were working, sorry, I have four dogs and my wife's coming home and they bark when she arrives. So that's part of the charm of our show <laughs> is the ambiance of children and dogs. Um, well, I've got a six pound lap dog sitting right next to me. So you might ha- hear some comments from her too. So oh, well, there now. you go. <laughs> um, 
So uh, it, to this administration, which, you know, without getting too far into the politics, um, today, you know, our, our president said that uh, this, it could be solved by telling teens it's drugs are no good and they're really, really bad. Um, so that's got to be kind of frustrating <laughs> and challenging, statements. right? Yeah. True statements. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you know, I, I would, I, if I may, I would say this. Obviously, you know, we all know addiction sure as hell doesn't care if we're Democrats, Republicans, Independents, right? I mean, this is something that no matter this crisis was here, has been here under Democratic presidents, Republican presidents, and you know, if we ever had anything in between, it would be here too. I will say that obviously the comments that we heard from the president are concerning simply because uh, I think the impression they leave is that there seems to be a lack of understanding of the gravity of the problem. Mm. Um, that being said, you know, I think it's really important around this issue um, to put our, our personal politics aside. I, my uh, Prior to working with Facing Addiction and prior to finding recovery, I had a a decade-long career in the political arena working on one side of the aisle. And I know that every day I certainly have to do my best to put my own personal partisanship aside because, you know what, people's kids are dying here. I mean, this yeah. is a public crisis, you know, that, that, that is certainly unparalleled in the current era that we are in. So, you know, we have the government that we have, we have the leadership that we have, mm-hmm. and well, if there, if a Democrat was in the White House and they reject and, and they didn't accept that this was a national state of emergency, facing addiction wouldn't be doing anything different than we're doing right now, trying to put pressure on this administration. Yeah. And when what? So and and I think it is funny because we've heard the two solutions from this administration the last week are lock more people up and just tell them it's bad, which we all know is just almost cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Having said that, what what do you guys advocate? the plan B, is it is it as complex as it sounds, or is there a pretty, some simple steps we can all take to alleviate this? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that there are simple steps, but there are certainly steps, yeah. right? I mean, we know that uh, we need to increase treatment access for folks across the board. I, I often say when I when I have the opportunity to share a bit of my own story that I'm one of the lucky ones. I got right into inpatient treatment when I, when I walked into recovery and I, I hit my bottom and I needed help. I, I was offered intensive outpatient after inpatient. I had continuing care. Uh, I, I was very highly encouraged to participate in recovery fellowships. But, you know, let's pause for a second why the hell do I have to say that I was lucky to have received that mm. kind of treatment, right? Yeah. That's insane. No, no cancer patient says, oh, I was so lucky that the doctors, you know, took care of me and, and provided me with a treatment plan and ongoing uh, advice on how to maintain recovery from an illness. I mean, so I think that there's simple principles. I wouldn't necessarily say the steps are easy, but we also know that there are evidence-based prevention practices that the Surgeon General talks about at length in the report that was released last year. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the projects that I had the pleasure to work on with Facing Addiction came out of one of the working groups, as I mentioned before. And we would like to see communities rally to really increase awareness Mm -hmm. around the existence of those practices. So we actually developed a guide that you can find on facingaddiction.org underneath resources called the Prevention Forum Guide. And it's sort of a a guide for individuals and organizations across the country to organize forums in their community in order to increase awareness of the existence of these programs. And 
you know, our perspective was, uh, you know, we go into a bit of the content background in the report as well, but it's also, you know, how do you organize a forum? Who, who do you need to talk to first? How do you get a site located? How do you build a program? Um, so we're very excited. And, and over 160 folks have, have looked at that guide and expressed an interest in using it to, to organize a forum. And we're hoping to see how many of those come through. And I'm, I'm trying to work with those folks every day because that is a step that can be taken. Is it a simple step? I don't think so. But it needs to happen, right? We know that this is preventable. Uh, we just have to g- increase awareness around the country around some of the battle-tested. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Um so a couple of quick questions. One, when when you say the Surgeon General's report, you're talking about the p- former Surgeon General, uh, Vivek Murthy, right? I just realized I don't even know who the Surgeon General is now. Do we have an appointed Surgeon General? Good question. Uh, we do not have. We have an appointed uh, Surgeon General. He has not been uh, confirmed as of yet, but he has gone before the Senate. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jerome Adams. He was the former Indiana Health Commissioner and. And we, you know, obviously don't yet have a relationship. I will say that I've spoken to some of our, our Action Network partners in Indiana, mm-hmm. and the reports I've heard are, are actually quite positive. And what, what about the position that uh, Director Botticelli had? Is, is there someone in that role now? Uh, we don't have a full-time ONDCP director at the moment, um, but I believe the president has also made, um, made a nomination uh, yeah. there as well, but it has not yet been confirmed. So really, I mean, two of the people that could be advising and really working on this at that high a level aren't there to be, aren't there to do it, (laughs) aren't aren't available, right? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that we've certainly seen, and it's been well covered in the media, you know, about the the new administration, there's definitely been a, um, uh, the the, the speed at which certain positions in the federal government Mm -hmm. have been appointed uh, is certainly slower than we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's caused some political rancor that's really outside the Mm -hmm. scope of what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we we work on unabated, right? And I think Mm -hmm. the movement is to work on unabated as well, because there are still a lot of minds to persuade on this, Mm -hmm. right? My experience in the political arena Mm -hmm. really taught me a lot of things, one of which was, as I was just saying to somebody Earlier today, you know, uh, at the end of the day, elected officials, they do listen to their constituents because we are still their boss. Mm -hmm. And the more we can persuade it and our pilot community project is really built around this basic idea of of informing public policy from the grassroots up. Right. If we can organize around this issue in a more effective way than we've done in the past. And what I mean when I say that is do what facing addiction does on a national Mm -hmm. level, but local level. Build bridges between mm-hmm. the recovery community, families, prevention, treatment, public health, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Bring all of these forces together into one team. And that's what we're doing mm-hmm. in the Pilot Community Project in these 15 targeted yeah. communities, which is in Missouri, actually. Springfield, Missouri was mm-hmm. one of the 15 selected. Um, so, so it's a pilot program. Was that chosen because of high rates of opioid use, or was it just sort of a random thing? Well, we ended up, so the Pilot Community Project, we ended up receiving applications from 54 different communities, which was almost double, frankly, I was expecting to get. Um, Springfield was selected, frankly, because of the quality of the application. We, we did interviews with um, a little more than half of the communities that applied based on the quality of the applications. And Springfield just fit the bill. The, the folks who submitted the application down there knew their community. They were ready to get to work because uh, a lot of the, the, the day-to-day work mm-hmm. of this has to done in the community you know yeah. facing addictions there to provide the the work plan and ongoing consultation and guidance but it was clear in springfield that people were fired up to hmm. do this and um 
you know, in this program, we actually we're very excited about it because we, we have a lot of geographic diversity, you mm-hmm. know, everything, the Northeast to the Southeast, to the Midwest, to the Southwest, the Northwest. What's, um, and what's and the pilot consist of? Like, that sounds, we should follow this. We should, we should see what the numbers are, right? Like, that's exciting. How, when's it starting? It very, what's it consist of? So it started already uh, earlier this year. Uh, May 1, I think, is what we'd consider the official start date. We selected the communities in mid to late March. And what the communities are working on right now is building the teams of advocates that are going to go in what we're calling stage one of the project, where the entire purpose is to start to organize the community, start to recruit the people who are going to participate. And that takes up a big chunk of time. And and as someone with a a background in political organizing, I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, when I've been four or five months into a project and I find that I'm not quite where I'm at, it's usually because I didn't lay a proper foundation for the house. So we really want to emphasize that with the communities. First, find captains for all your teams, a recovery captain, a treatment captain, a prevention captain. Then once you have your captains, have the captains go out and recruit advocates. Once the teams are built at the conclusion of this first stage, we're going to move into a second stage, which is going to involve organizing training. How how do you organize a community? How can you be a community organizer around this issue? So we're actually going to be going to all 15 of these communities and uh, executing a training that we've designed that focuses on uh, community organizing, messaging, advocacy, proper uses of social media. Um, And we're going to provide that training to all the advocates. And then as we enter a third stage, each community has some specific goals that they're going to try to reach. And some of them, it's getting their local city council to, uh, you know, make a proclamation, almost a local state of emergency, Mm. if you will, around issue. And others, it's getting law enforcement to host an event with public health around the Surgeon General's report Mm -hmm. to educate and others, it's getting uh, elected officials to do X, Y, and Z. Each community has slightly tailored goals based on their needs. But really, what the long-term goal of this program is, is not just to see those handful of things get done. If it, mm. if it takes 13 months to get it done instead of 12, so be it. But what we're really trying to do is to leave all 15 of these communities with a team in place that's been trained, that has started to do work in the community that will exist to address this issue for years and years to come. And what victim addiction would ideally like to do is at at the conclusion of this program, take all the lessons we've learned from the pilot project Mm. and roll a national template that any community across the country could come to us and say, we want to get organized. We want to make this into a social justice cause in our community. How the heck do we do that? And we can provide them with a battle-tested strategy. And when you say this issue, my sense is, is, is that's shorthand for saying the opioid epidemic. Um, it's shorthand for addiction. You know, I okay. think the opioid epidemic is obviously what's driving the public dialogue right okay. now and, and good reason. But facing addiction, you know, addiction to alcohol and other drugs, you know, okay. alcohol is still the number one killer. Right. Right. Exactly. So, and and my sense is, though, that that for so long with good reason, with just as good reason, I mm-hmm. guess, if we're talking about how many people it impacts um, and, and you know this well, it, it never it, it it has never generated sort of the sense of of outrage and, and action um, that the opioid epidemic has. I wonder if you talk about that, if you address have like separate programs or thoughts on how to uh, approach alcohol specifically, um, or if just opioids sort of is, is <laughs> trying not to say sucks all the air out of the room. But, um. Well, I, think, I, I understand. Well, it's hard. I mean, I, I think that you make, uh, I think it's a very valid point, you know, and 
you know, at the end of the day, the, I mean, it, this is the silver lining of this crisis that we are facing uh, is that, you know, it, it is starting to draw up the national attention to the issue. And that's what we need. Right. Um, that being said, I wouldn't say that facing addiction has any separate programming to deal with it. We absolutely partner with a lot of organizations that focus exclusively on it, such as the Fed Up Coalition, right, who okay. have done several events in D.C. And we are very proud to be for the second consecutive year sponsors, uh, co-sponsors of, of their events that are going on on August 31st. Um, you know, but addiction, this is uh, the, the report facing addiction in America is what our previous Surgeon General wrote in that report. And, and that's our mission, right? This is a, a issue that has to be tackled comprehensively, not piecemeal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a little bit about your background and you got involved. You obviously have your own uh, alcoholism and recovery journey, which <laughs> I'd love to talk about because I thought there was some, some good stuff in there. But you kind of came to this whole thing from the Anonymous People film? Or is that how you, what you saw originally that... that <clears throat> Got you involved yes. in this part of it? Yeah, no, it certainly is. It's funny, you know. I um, and uh, you know, I, I had worked as I've mentioned in in politics, and I, I first got into recovery at a young age. Actually, I was fifteen years old. I know that, um, that was funny. He was fifteen, but then you went out on your twenty fourth birthday or something, and well, no, see, I my I, I had made a plan that I was going to drink on my twenty first birthday because I had decided that I had been too young. I had just mm. been a, a, a kid. Totally, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I swore on my 21st birthday, after after almost five and a half years sober, I, I had decided that I was going to drink. But two days before my 21st birthday, I uh, I ended up drinking. I didn't quite make it to 21, which was probably uh, probably a warning sign right at the beginning, right? But um, but uh, you know, I, I had as I've often said to folks, because it's really kind of drives me. When I got sober at 15, you know, I went into a 12-step fellowship and I participated and. The truth is, after I really I went away to college. You know, I actually lived in Europe on two occasions during that time frame. I didn't drink, and I gotta say, and I, I say this now with a big smile on my face, I I absolutely hated being sober. <laughs> I, felt very mm-hmm. I felt very alone in the world. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know really any other younger people who were sober, and it's it's what inspires me so much when I talk to these folks who work in the recovery high school system, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean. I, I often have thought, my goodness, if that had been a resource that was available at the time, and that's not to say that, you know, life, we all know life plays out the way life plays out, right? right? But, um, you know, what an amazing, I'm just so inspired when I get the opportunity to speak to both students in those schools, as well as the, the folks who have the opportunity to work in them. There was no collegiate recovery program where I went to school. I was the, I was the sober guy sitting at parties when everyone was getting high and, and drinking kegs, and I was the sober guy wandering around, uh-huh. you know, shopping. <laughs> Shockingly, I didn't have a very good time. Um, I more than made up for it my senior year when I decided to go out and, and start drinking again. But I, um, I ended up getting a career that I loved, that I felt very uh, passionate about. And, you know, all those things that the world tells us should make us happy started coming into my life. I graduated with good grades. I started that career, met a woman, got married, bought a house, had a kid. You know, every on paper, it's like, my God, this is this is the perfect yeah. American life, yeah. right? And live in Seattle, the most beautiful city in America. Apologies to everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I uh, but shock as we hear so often, you know, I, I kept rising through the career. I was trusted, respected and I was miserable mm. and I, I, I couldn't 
my drinking just escalated and escalated. And I was one of those folks who, you know, I think some would describe uh, as, a, as a maintenance drinker or I've heard, and it's one of my least favorite terms, but the, the term functioning alcoholic, which yeah. I really don't like because there was absolutely nothing functional about my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, I, I was a guy who towards, by the end of my drinking, you know, woke, woke up in the morning, put two shots of whiskey in my coffee, got to the wow. office at, got to the office at eight 30. Cause my staff wouldn't be in yet to have a few beers at my desk, tapped my foot until 1130, went to lunch at the bar across the street, had four or five beers, got back to the office at two o'clock, told everyone I had meetings, which wasn't true. Went to the casino, drank a little bit more, rushed to pick up a daughter from school, rushed home, cracked open a beer, would drink until I went to sleep at night. And as I fell asleep, would think to myself, well, I've got this under control. Mm, yeah. There's- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I picked- but I also. Yeah. God, that's crazy. I had also started gambling as well. And, and the combination Ooh. for me of drinking uh, and gambling eventually led me to uh, taking money from my employer. I had my dream job. And. Mm. You know, for anybody who's been in the depths of addiction, we all know that, you know, the circumstances, uh, eventually our addiction starts to overcome whatever our circumstances might be. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, started, I started taking money and uh, we actually, the, the, the party that I worked for uh, lost control of our state legislature that election season uh, by one seventy-three vote race. And uh, the amount that I had taken, which I had no idea what it was at the time, uh, you know, probably could have kept the majority for that party in, wow, uh, wow. in that chamber. So uh, I drank for about two months after that until it all came crashing down. And uh, I, I, I ended up uh, getting outed for the stuff uh, that I was doing. Um, and, and I, you know, of course, I thought I could fix it. But I, I ended up landing in treatment uh, February 16th, 2013. Actually, a few days after that, I, I got into treatment. Hmm. But um, and did you... Did you know it was over or were you still fighting it? Well, I think, um, uh, you know, I think, I think a little bit of both. I don't think I accepted that it was over, but I think I knew, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. sitting, uh, you know, I was sitting, um, I was sitting at SeaTac airport here in Seattle with a half a fifth of Jameson left. And, uh, I had to make a call to somebody to tell them that, uh, you know, there was nothing left and I was going to run away for a few days. I had spent my last few days of drinking, trying to figure out if I could kill myself without it hurting mm. or if I could Europe and change my identity. That's mm. what I spent. <laughs> Can I kill it. myself and not have it hurt or go to Europe or and change my Europe identity? Waiting. That's a it all tough made, one. God. It all made, I'd all, you know, I, uh, I had a bag packed and everything. I mean, I, I was, you know, I mean, like all of us who've been there, I, I was horrified. You know, I, I, yeah. I knew stuff I was doing. I mean, I don't think I really even, I think I was too clouded up to really understand the consequences at the time. I, on my third day of inpatient treatment, I did. Uh, I picked up a newspaper, and, and front page above the fold was the headline: "Senate Democratic Executive Under Investigation," which was about me. Wow. So, Whoa. Uh, so you know, but at the end of the day, and, and maybe this is just a gift of recovery, but you know, the legal problems that I had to face, and I, I got out and moved into a recovery house, an Oxford house, and you know, I, I was just uh, sharing with somebody today, actually, that you know, it was all for me and I speak only for myself, it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I, I knew that I was probably going to have to go away and do some time. And so because of that, there was no point in worrying about what the next career stuff would be. Am I going to get a driver's license back? Because I'd gotten a DUI and had mm. been driving a suspended license for several months. Um, you know, there was no point. So I, I just, I had the opportunity to just get in the middle of the boat on recovery stuff. Mm. And 
at nine months sober, I had to, I, I was busing tables in a restaurant just, uh, hmm. to, uh, to make a little bit of money. And my son was born at the time and I, my divorce was finalized at the time. And at nine months sober, I ended up going into prison for a very short period of time. Hmm. Um, I ended up getting a, a very lenient sentence, I think largely because of, um, starting the recovery work that I had. And so I was nine months sober and I, I got out, uh, I got out of my, my time incarcerated eight months later when, you know, was busing tables. And I was just wondering, what am I going to do with myself? Is there some way to merge my professional background with my newfound passion for recovery? And in one of those just hilarious, uh, odd confluences of events that I think happens in life when we're sober and in recovery, three people in the same day referred me to this film, The Anonymous People, mm -hmm. which I had never. Um, and so I, you know, I went on and I watched it and it, it, you know, it blew my socks off. It was like, my goodness, the, this is what I want to do. And I put my old organizer hat on and found a way to get in touch with Greg Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably asked him to no end over email. I'd love to hear him tell that story. But um, <laughs> like you thought you were a crazy stalker? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. But, you know, I, it, I recovery has not tampered my persistence. I yeah, guess yeah. he can probably testify to that, too. That's awesome. But um, but. Uh, you know, they just so happened to be starting the planning process for the Unite to Face Addiction Rally. So that's kind of how I awesome. I landed here. But I, um, you know, I feel so passionate about this stuff because yeah. I, I do believe that, you know, because of my personal experience, and I'm sure that the three of you could say the same thing. You know, when I see those recovery high schools, when I get to meet the folks who are starting new collegiate recovery programs, you know, it's just, it's so inspiring to me. When I see that person, when I see them vote, for the first time, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. exercise that clear headed power in recovery to make choices like that, that can have an impact on people's lives. It knocks my socks off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cool thing about facing addiction because of those 660 organizations across the country is every, every day we get, you know, a, a random email inquiry, my goodness, uh, I need help. Mm -hmm. And just you know, twice in the last week I can think of already, I got to take that person who was reaching for help and connect them with resources on the ground in their community through our coalition. And I actually got a note forwarded to me about a month ago from someone with whom I'd interacted a while back and they're doing great. And like, my God, like that's, that's the meat of this. Yeah. Right? I mean, no we push the president to declare states of emergency. Why do we do this work for that guy? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's special stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Two, two things. Like it, this, it's so interesting that I, it hadn't really struck me that this is a campaign in a political sense. That's how it has to be organized. Mm -hmm. That's how bad this crisis is. You know, I come from the 12 step world, which is very uh, attraction, not promotion. It's just a different way of going about this. But I think this opioid crisis has certainly mm -hmm. made this as important as anything to get yeah. to mobilize a, a movement to stop it. Because it, it, it is kind of a, it is a national state of emergency, mm -hmm. right? Which is interesting to oh, think about. Well, absolutely, and I think that you know, when it, I mean, I'm I'm also a you know, there are many different pathways to recovery. Actually, one project we're working on right now is developing a guide that really outlines what some of those different pathways are, kind of aimed at people looking for help and their families looking for help. But my my personal journey is a, a twelve step journey as well, and you know, when it comes to that whole question of attraction, not promotion, or anonymity. You know, the, the point that I always like to just remind folks of is that Bill Wilson testified to Congress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you right, know? right, Mar right. Marty Mann started the National Council on Alcoholism, right? right. There's no, uh, you know, 
I would my my personal and it's my personal interpretation of this is I would never out somebody else right. as being recovery. That is absolutely not my place. But especially given the fact that my drinking history was printed in the Seattle Times, uh, anonymity was never really an option for me anyway. <laughs> so I kind of figured if I had that going for me, I, I might as well see what I could do to to knock some bodies over with it, right? Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> and, and here's that just quickly, Oxford House. As an organization, it seems like that touches a lot of lives. I've I've had lots of people that have gone through an Oxford house. Why can we get more Oxford houses? <laughs> like what's that seems to be a very effective way to treat addiction. And what is the Oxford House? Is it a, a national organization? Oxford House is a national organization. Yep. It is kind of more dense in some areas than others. We're very fortunate to have a huge Oxford House network where I live out here in Washington State. Um, but there's also a ton of other sober living options as well. Oxford House happens to be one. What I, you know, I think it's important to note that Oxford House, that it's not a treatment program. And I don't, uh, gotcha. I wouldn't speak for them. They have an amazing team. But what I will say from my own experience is Oxford House, especially in early recovery, when, you know, and I'm sure you guys have, you know, those days where you just feel so alone in the world, unless you're sitting, you know, in a church basement or wherever you go. Uh, for me, in my earliest days of recovery, when I was dealing with, you know, life and staying sober and legal issues and, and everything else to know that I was going to get to walk in a door at night where there was going to be seven other guys, mm-hmm. all of them had gone through similar things to what I was going through, any of whom I could have knocked on their door if I just needed to shoot the breeze for a few minutes. You know, um, it was a huge part. And I actually ended up living in Oxford House for, for quite a while, um, for quite a while in, in recovery before and after I got out of my, my time incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, a huge proponent of it. Uh, I will say, though, that, you know, Oxford House, that it's not a treatment program. Uh, I think there are other sober living facilities that do provide those kinds mm-hmm. of services as well. Mm-hmm. Oxford does not. Oxford is really a safe place for those who are really committed to their recovery to live for however long they want to live there. Gotcha. Um, you know, so I, I'm a big proponent of it. It was a huge part of my story. And, and it's one of the one of the first recommendations I make to people in early recovery is to see if they're willing to take that step. Gotcha. Cool. And when you say before and after um, you you served your time, so, I mean, it, it's someplace you came out and you it's a place to feel comfortable and safe in your recovery, and it doesn't matter early recovery, later in recovery. If, if you're in recovery and need a place to stay, you can stay there? That's, ab- that's absolutely right. And one of the neat things about Oxford's model, and there's, like I've mentioned, there's a million different models, and actually if anybody's interested in Learning a little bit more about recovery housing, again, if you go to facingaddiction.org, we actually hosted a forum in Washington, D.C. this past March focused on recovery housing. And if you go under resources on our website, you can read kind of a briefing on the issue if you want to learn a little more about it. But, um, you know, the, the neat thing about Oxford is, you know, there was one gentleman I had the pleasure to live with my entire time. He had lived in our house for, for 10 years. Oh, wow. And wow you know, and was able to pass on a lot of wisdom to folks coming in and out. He stayed there because it was a, a affordable place to live full of sober guys. Why the heck not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I had a tremendous experience. I, I really <laughs> did. You know, I, um, as my, my, when I met my current, uh, not in recovery girlfriend and I explained the situation, mm-hmm. you know, telling her about where I lived. Yeah. I remember telling, you know, that really it's like a, it's just a, eight sober roommates, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what it yeah. means. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a tough one to explain to a date. Yeah. Okay. I'm in this. <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta kind of just go <laughs> for broke with it. I, I, I've had that. Like, could be a deal killer. I'm just but gonna maybe tell not. you that. We'll like get this out there, and we'll see what <laughs> happens. 
I, when, when I met my, I, I had a fair amount of stuff to explain that I won't get into because you'll probably listen to this at some point and I'll get in trouble. That's funny. That's so funny. But yeah, it's funny about the Extra House, just how many people, I've never heard a bad thing said about it. Whatever <laughs> they're doing, they're doing a really good job. I've yeah. had sponsees yeah. that li- have lived in them and have always just like done. Yeah, you and I spoke, yeah. I believe it, at one here yeah. locally. And yeah. yeah. yeah, That's cool. It's a thing. That's very cool. Um. So, is there anything we haven't touched on that you you want to yeah, talk well, about? You want well, to... yeah. And I wonder if there's something to, as part of this campaign, people in recovery. What can we do to hmm. help your agenda? I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, call our congressman, or is there anything that we should be doing? And we're well, trying you know, to get a national state of emergency declared. Mm-hmm. That's our goal. Yeah. That- it hasn't you know, happened, right now, but we need it. Right now, that is, I would really say that right now, that's probably our number one grassroots priority. I would also tell anybody out there who, who wants to really get plugged into what we're doing and wants to, to help the cause, right, to sign up to be what we call a facing addiction ambassador, which I mentioned before is, again, you can do it on facingaddiction.org. Um, what, what it really is, is kind of helping us carry the mantle uh, into your community of who we are, talking about the fact that there are solutions to this issue. The other thing that I, I really I can't emphasize enough, the single biggest uh, tool that we all have is our story. Hmm. Our story is the number one tool. And, you know, especially I, I've worked with elected leaders, right? These guys get reports and studies and statistics put in front of them left and right. And that's great. I don't think anybody in this day and age is questioning that we have a problem here. Hmm. But when we tell our story, what we do is we give we give life to a statistic. And a statistic, you know, 90% of those who become addicted start using an, using an adolescence. Well, that's all fine and good. Everybody sees that stat. Talk to the person who started using an adolescence and become addicted, and that stat carries a lot more weight. Yeah. So actually, one program we have is something called People Facing Addiction. And again, facingaddiction.org, if you click on resources on the right side of your screen, you'll see a, a link for People Facing Addiction. Uh, everybody, go on there and, and take a little time and share your story. We we promote a lot of these stories. And I mean, it's one of the best parts is getting to read these personal stories of folks, of mm-hmm. not just people in recovery, but family members who've lost loved ones and why they're using that experience to, to try to help other families now. And professionals who, you know, treatment counselors and prevention specialists who see this on the front lines every day, many of whom have spent careers fighting this on the front lines. Everybody's story and the reason why, the reason or the way in which we got our seat at the table matters. Mm-hmm. And I, I would encourage anybody and everyone out there who listens to this to, to go on and share that story. You are, by doing so, you're utilizing the single most deadly weapon that you have, you know, to combat this problem. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's funny. There's a lot of, we used to take a meeting in my uh, AA group to a treatment center. And I, I don't know if service opportunities are less than they were. Maybe I'm just not whatever. But I think this is such a, there is literal 12-step work to be done right here. If you're wondering how you can go back and serve and give back, this is it. You know, like this is an organization that you can get in and really help just by going on and telling your story. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, And as far as, uh, I mean, do you want people to find you personally? Do you want to, where do you, where do you want to send people? Um, I would, you know, go to facingaddiction.org on our website. There's any number of different things you can sign up to participate in. And people are always welcome. I I love getting the opportunity to to meet with people and hear stories and plug people into stuff. So if if you just want to kind of ask some questions, Mm -hmm. figure out where your experience might plug in best, 
I can be reached at mking, M-K-I-N-G, at facingaddiction.org anytime. And, and don't ever hesitate, folks. I, I it's The best part of my gig is getting to, to meet new people all over the country. I'm really, I'm going to be making trips to these 15 pilot communities to host these trainings in the fall. And I am just, uh, awesome. I'm really pumped for it. I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah, let us know when you're in Springfield. Maybe we'll uh, road trip down. We need another road trip. We like going. We can, <laughs> we can hang out with some people down there. Be, I think that'd be interesting to podcast with the captains down there and just see what they're doing, what they're planning. Get on the grassroots. Well, September 20th we'll be in Springfield. I can tell you that. So okay. maybe we can figure that out. That'd be absolutely terrific. Let's yeah, figure that out. It's not far um, from us. It'd be fun. And you guys have captains down there. Team captain, recovery captain. Kind of figure out what they have planned. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, that'd be really fun. Figure that out. would be great. All right, it's fascinating. Cool. And then we need another big mall event, right? Because that was fun. We had a great time. <laughs> that one, so. Jeff just wants it's more about, big uh, concerts. Yeah, <laughs> concerts and road trips. Have we thought about entertaining I, Jeff here? I, I probably get that question more than any other question. When is the next party on the mall? And I tell you, I, I think we would love. Trust me, nobody wants to do it more than all of us. You know, it's one of those. <sighs> As one might it's imagine, funny. it's quite the endeavor to, to get together what we got together on yeah. October 4th, oh, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's something we'd love to do, and I hope that we'll have the opportunity to do it again. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Very absolutely just terrific, um, you know, uh, updating on, on what, what's going on with facing addiction and just uh, inspiring. And uh, I feel like we need to do more, and we'll, we'll figure out what we our little corner of the recovery sphere can do and, uh, and start doing it bitter and better and bigger. Um, awesome. and I'd be this remiss. Been- What's that? I said, this has been fun guys. I appreciate it. Cool. Oh, of course. Well, thanks. And, uh, I think, uh, we've had, um, some others that past and present with, uh, with the organization, like it is Donald McFarland was part of the original team on the uh, rally. Yep. On the rally. the rally. And we had him on a couple of times. We've had Ivana, uh, Grohovic on, and they're trying to get her back on. We we had her scheduled and then had to cancel for one reason or another. Um, and then we've had Ryan Hampton on, and I'd be remiss if I didn't wish him a happy birthday. I think it's his birthday today. It sure is. He uh, was. I had the. I talked to Ryan at least once a day. He was oh, very did? excited. He was okay. very excited this morning. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, cool. Well, uh, say hi next time you talk to him, and uh, yeah. It was it was it was terrific and uh have a good night and uh hopefully we'll we'll talk to you soon one way or another. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Right, have a cool. good one. Thank Thanks. you, Michael. Thanks, Take care, King. All righty. But wait, Any? can we I think we can harsh on the Trump stuff, can't we? Oh what now that we have now that Michael's off the phone yeah, yeah, on our own was, show. I did a <laughs> show of hands. Who felt like kind of a garbage person? Because I can't separate politics. I know I should. Yeah. Separate my own personal divisive right. political views from mm, this no, larger no. cause. That's right. the adult, rational, <laughs> right. practical thing to do. Right. But I can't do it. Yeah. yeah, no, I get why facing addiction has yeah. to do it, but I st- it still leaves a, a it's infuriating. unpleasant it taste in my mouth, especially For- after his buffoonery today. Oh, with- yeah. And, no and, good. Yeah, I get really, it, really bad. That you it's can't, not good. It's bad. Can you never so wait bad. for any politicians to get... Your tr- you know, you have to do this yourself. This is right. a problem that yeah. we as a community yeah. have to solve. Having said that, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I guess I mean, everyone's like that with every issue. Yeah. This one just happens. If we're waiting for the right political climate to make this easier. Yeah. But the reality is, our resolve is being tested. so much was happening and, and so much was going yeah. so well yeah. with 
Director Botticelli and yes. Surgeon General Murphy. Um, and, you know, at the mall, at the mall rally, you know, Obama was there on the video screen. Oh, Surgeon yeah. General Murphy was there on stage. Director Bocelli, I think, was either there on stage or on the video screen. It's like that whole um, administration was all in oh. with facing addiction. Yeah, and, and not, not just the advocating not treatment just, options. And, right. Yeah, trying yeah. to solve and, the problem. And, the, and thousands of people going full yeah. Beatlemania nuts. Right. Like <laughs> and energy, Joe Walsh. Crazy energy. And yeah. Joe Walsh. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, I mean, it does make a difference. It does. It does. Who's who's in the driver's seat in our country, and you know, and who's uh, turning it into a clown car? But um, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe just some real nice uh, t-shirts and buttons can solve this guy. I, yeah. I agree. Maybe so, the revolution's just a t-shirt. It's bad. Away. All right. So I, I think we had bad. to get that off our chest, everybody. But yeah, and I, and I'm not. We're not casting aspersions on on. Face no. condition and or certainly no. Michael's need to remain uh, impartial. No, true. politically, I, okay, I get I it. You got to get the work done with who you have. Totally, absolutely, yeah. and then the work is bigger than yeah. this underlying stuff. I'm yeah. just, but not we're not bigger big than it. No, no, <laughs> no. So that was a very. Uh, I have to commend us all. For but I remember, like, we didn't swear a lot. It, like mm. when we first had someone on when when Trump first got elected, the, we were all cult, sort of holding out hope that this president would come in and they had been given some signs that they'd understand the problem advocate for more treatment and and we would get into helping solve this mm. opioid crisis with mm. things that worked and then to the last couple of days it was just like these two and you're like who where did these come from of we need to lock more people up which mm, yeah. is like doesn't work has been proven right. it doesn't work it has never worked it's right. just not a tactic that worked but it sounds good yeah. I, I get it. Mm. Tough enough. And then today, which I didn't even hear today, the let's just tell teenagers it's really bad, which sounds mm. totally like something he would say, mm. but in but like that's the funniest thing ever. As as or do we take that seriously? Or I mean, I don't even know what that is. Well, and uh, the fact that <laughs> like, oh my you God. said there was this moment of you know there were some good indications maybe something good will happen. Remember? Did that moment ever happen? I don't remember no, that. I don't happened. remember that moment. I don't no, remember anything had. but impending. Dude. Hot garbage fire. <laughs> Any second, just going to burn brighter and brighter. Right. Yeah. So that's why we have to help more, right? Because our president's not going to help us. This right. administration's not going to help. No. And the crisis goes on. No. Yeah. That could be the that could be the uh, the silver lining, as as Michael said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So get out there and yeah, we got to do it. Yeah, join up. <laughs> get out there. We're going to Springfield. Rock the vote. September. Where, 20th, how far is Springfield? Like two and a half hours. Yeah, it's two and a half. Oh, we could do it's that. It's where the Lake yeah. of the Ozarks is, isn't it? And well, Branson, isn't it by there? Uh, more or less. It's two and a half hours, and it's yeah. big. You know, it's a. a, uh, it's a I can see why they picked it. Yeah, okay. perfect. It's yeah. where the Simpsons are. Exactly. No, <laughs> no they've never decided which Springfield. Well, I said that's Springfield. Let's go. Oh, okay. No, yeah, they never. They, there are like seventy. Apparently, every state has a Springfield. Right. So. Something like that. I thought. Yeah, it was yeah, very calculated decision, but this one could coming. be it. Yeah, um, it's got silos. Nuclear before I forget, sure. I want to say two things. Yeah. One, all uh, the podcasts on the since right now dot network. Please listen to them. There are other good podcasts out there. Yes, some of them have wrapped. Some of them are 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 are, are, are 
have had season or have had series finales, but they're still out there. They're still good shows, and others are ongoing. Like Drop the Needle, Paul Furs Drop the Needle um, is ongoing, and Sandra and Tammy's The Unruffled podcast is gangbusters. Yeah, just clocking crazy numbers, and those, and just people love it. And and their guest tomorrow, which they don't record live, but um, I'll be their guest tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, nice. and then Did you I record it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm You're recording I'm it tomorrow, recording it tomorrow morning. Okay. And then I, th- I'm not sure they're, how they release, but, um, my guess is it'll be out the next day, if not later that day. I don't know. Um, that's great. Nice. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, the next episode of the unruffled or the next recording episode, I'm again, I'm not sure exactly, you know, I don't know if they have any in the can that they're releasing. I'm not sure. Right. I don't get up in their business. I'm, they're just on the network. Right. 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 Um, so uh, anyway, so please listen to the shows on sinceshownotes.network. Right you don't no. type up notes. No, yeah, you're not I like wish I could be an executive either. producer, like a legit, I can barely produce this show. Um, but uh, Well, that's anyway, great. So yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. We'll and we'll, we'll uh, see you next time. Yeah, see you next that time. felt like a very legit show. Did, did it? As opposed to some of them were like, yeah, what the hell nice, was that? Uh, well, no, that I mean, a it's, it's a good mix. I mean, we have different types of guests. Sure. The different, yeah, I mean, he's, he's on the front lines. He he's is. engaged he in is. the biz. He is. Capital B. Yeah. He's in the business. Um, yeah, good. And, uh, yeah. And he had a good recovery story. Yeah, yeah. That's a good gambling. Nice to be back at full strength. Yeah, I like when the gambling part comes in and then all of a sudden he loses everything. Ouch. Bye. Yes! Another clean and sober intervention.